Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays on YouTube. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, good, good people. <laughs> um, this is the Black Hat Chat, and this is a collaboration between myself, Lee Johnson, and Rev Kai over there. Just two witches that get together and talk about magic and witchcraft every Friday. And if you have not, if this is your first time here, please check the description. There's a link tree in there for the Black Hat Chat, where you can find all the places we're at including our Wildwood Temple on Discord and Facebook and our supporter channels on um, Patreon and Ko-fi, where you can get our TV and movie reviews. <laughs> All right, then. So today we're talking about curses. Yes, you wanted to say yep. something? Um, something? Before we get too far, uh, if you're watching live, go and switch your chat to live chat as opposed to top chat so you can actually see all the messages top chat has the auto spam filter on it and we don't get that much spam and it filters out other people's messages so switch that around to live chat so you can see everything and if you like us enough to be here for the live we would really appreciate it if you would give us a thumbs up because it helps with the algorithm tells youtube to show this video to other people all that sort of stuff I know, I totally forget when I am watching YouTube videos and get enthralled to hit the little thumbs up button. So, just a reminder. Mm. Thank Terrible you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, hello to Richard and Lady Capera and Yulandi and Scarlet Trist and Candace. Wow. Welcome. Hello. Welcome hello. to the chat. Thank you hello, all hello. for taking time out of your day to sit here and talk with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so curses. Curses. And cursing. Let's just put a disclaimer. Don't ask either of us to do curses for you because we ain't going to do it. <laughs> oh, I'll do it, but you probably don't want to pay the price. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it depends what the curse is, I suppose. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. some, I mean I've, I've done a curse on cancer cells. Which works fantastically. Yeah, yeah. I I find that's a very uh, useful method. Um, I was just thinking this morning. I was just thinking about, you know, cursing and what we should talk about today. And one of the things that came to mind is, is one of the witch's proverbs that I learned early on, and that was a witch who cannot curse cannot heal. Mm. You know, they are two sides of the same coin. They are really very, very much similar energy when it comes to being able to work it and and vice versa a witch who cannot heal cannot curse mm. um so i know a lot of times i've told the story about when i want people out of my lives i find it much better to bless them than to curse them and mm. uh i've had some people take that as me saying oh cursing is bad and i would never curse and that's not true at all 
Um, I just find that um, sometimes a curse is not the best way to deal with what's going on, and a blessing is a better way. But that doesn't mean that the curse is not the answer all the time, because there are times when a curse is very, very, very much the right solution to the problem, magically speaking. Mm. I think it depends on what the person wants to actually accomplish as well, because, I mean, I've, I've seen it a lot. Um, people want somebody out of their lives, mm-hmm. or their life, you know, um, and they they immediately go to, oh, I need to curse this person, because they're obviously a horrible person, that's why they want them to get out of their life. Yeah. Which, you know, is the go-to method, you know, don't like a person, horrible, curse them. But the objective is to get them out of your life. And what's the better way to get them out of your life? Is it to curse them or is it to bless them? And by blessing them, you are giving them an opportunity to move to a different country. Yeah. And they are totally out of your life then. Yeah. Um, If that's the objective, then do what works. Cursing, a lot of cursings are bindings. A lot of Mm. them are. If you're if you're tying knots, if you're wrapping someone up in something, if you're putting them in a box, if you're pinning them together, you're binding. And that mm. means they're going to stick around. And often I see curses usually as um, corrective. Um, you want that behavior to stop. You want that thing to stop, like in the case of cursing cancer. Um, you don't want the person to be gone. Uh, Mm. you want that, uh, particular thing to not be doing it anymore. And I, I mean, we kind of joked that, you know, when we announced this show last week that there would be cursing, meaning curse words. (laughs) And that's the same thing when we swear curse use curse words usually we want that whatever caused it to stop when i stub my toe and i yell fuck it's because i want the pain to stop i don't like that behavior i don't like the the pain response i don't like the behavior of me kicking my coffee table for the hundredth time you know that sort of thing i have moved the coffee table i'm just a klutz But, but, when, but when you do stub your little toe once, you just stub it over and over again. It doesn't yeah. matter where it is. <laughs> yeah. It's now swollen and a sensitive beacon for all things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that same kind of energy. You're expressing that, hey, don't do that. I don't, I don't mm. allow that. Um, cursing can sometimes be enforcing boundaries. Um, it's pretty severe. Uh, but a lot of times it's you know, it's like eliminating cancers, you know, people are like, well, when is a curse always okay? Rape. Mm. Mm. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I have or threatening your life or threatening your family's life. Yeah. Child abuse. Mm. You know, mm. those are, those are situations where, um, there's not a lot of nuance left at that point. And a curse is an appropriate reaction, in my opinion. Everybody has their own lines, but yeah. Uh, Lady Capera said I did. Gave us a thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Scarlet Trist. Sometimes a blessing is a curse, and vice versa. Oh, true. 
True. You can True. you can bless someone and end up screwing up their lives, including yourself. <laughs> and it becomes mm. a terrible curse and, and vice versa. Absolutely. But now there's, I think there's a big distinction between people who use a curse psychologically and people who actually do a curse. Um, I mean, well, what I mean is about probably about 95% of curses are person A says to person B, I have cursed you. And person B believes it so much, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, uh, headology. They, they start, yeah, headology. And they start, it just starts snowballing in their life. Mm-hmm. Whereas a person who does a curse and doesn't indicate that, that to the other person and it still takes effect. I think that's completely different to the other one. Well, but there are also uh, cultural components to many curses. I, I'm thinking of like Nidstongs. Uh, mm. Nidstongs, you have to publicly display it and claim it in order for it to work. That's part of the curse. Hmm. Hello, Angel Face. I've never seen that pop up like that before. If you're now a supporter, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a new one for me. Yeah, sorry. I got this green thing pop up and it was like, what's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, but I understand what you mean. Um, but I think telling someone that they have been cursed is often a component of the curse mm. um a component of the process not always because there's a wide variety of methodologies to curse there's a lot of um types of curse curses and spells and and formats you know like we talked about binding and pinning and that sort of thing public declarations definitely fall within curses uh, erecting a nidstong, um, uh, just nithing someone in public, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So, and I'm sure there's forms of owl blinking and evil eye that involve cursing too. Um, there are some uh, Romani curses uh, that I, I've learned that you have to do them in front of the person. That's how they work. The person has to watch you do the actions and hear you say the words in order for the curse to take effect. So I think that's that's part of it. But you were saying they say it and they don't do any magic. Yeah. You know? Um, purely headology. Yeah, purely headology. Versus they do the magic, but um, the curse doesn't require them to say anything to the person. Mm. So. Yeah. Oh, and Lady, oh, Yolandi said uh, it usually happens when someone becomes a member during the live chat. And thank you, Lady Capera. You oh, too. Yeah, thank you for becoming a supporter. Awesome. Um, Scarlet Triss said, return to sender. Would that be considered a curse or considered cursing? I usually don't consider that cursing. I know um, some people do, and it's definitely a topic that comes up for debate quite often. Uh, so I don't think it's a curse because I didn't really add anything to it except, no, I don't want this. Mm. And if you can't 
If you can't deal with your dogs coming home to roost, don't send them out. <laughs> you know, that's one of those things. You're going to throw shit at people and they're going to throw it back. You need to either be able to deal with that or, um, you know, be able to return it or ground it or deflect it or whatever makes sense in that um, situation. Or, as many people talk in terms of war and shielding and that sort of thing, get through their defenses. Yeah. If, if that's necessary in the process. Yeah. I actually find it quite useful to set up a servitor to absorb all the energy. Yeah. Into something different. Some things I, I return and send back. Um, especially if I can tell that the person is not ready for it. I am not above a petty laugh when somebody flings shit in my direction and I can just be like, no, honey. And send it right back. I will chuckle at that. But um, mm. usually I just say thank you for the gift and take whatever it is they're sending me and use it to fuel whatever I want. Um, mm. That's, I mean, if they're going to grant me that power and that attention and all of that sort of stuff, then okay. Cool. But mm. it has taken me many years to develop the skills to do that transmutation successfully and i wasn't always great at it when i started mm. uh, angel face said oops my bad hi very new to this youtube stuff no, oh, no. no problem at all don't apologize don't apologize it's cool it's awesome yep uh richard um isn't returned to sender usually a ward it can, be. it can be. A lot of people will put up wards that um, are bouncy or reflective in nature so that stuff goes back where it came from. Mm. But you can do other things too. Um, servitors to capture and transform the energy. Um, you know, that I have a servitor for the same reason um, that deals with all the negative junk that's outside of my wards. I have layers of wards. Um, some of them are just designed that whatever hits it falls right down into the soil and becomes part of that place, you know. But again, it kind of uh, nullifies the energy, filters it out. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there would be other ways to do that, but servitors and wards or shields is also coming to mind. Well, there is the mirror box as well. Mm. Um, I mean, the mirror box can be used as a uh, an action against somebody, or it can be used as a reflection from yourself. Mm -hmm. Depends which way you put the mirrors. Although yeah, we did true. a protection. We did a protection uh, live chat a while back, I think. Yeah, I mentioned quite a few things in there. Uh, Scarlet Tris said, "Blessing baseball bats with return with sender." <laughs> Eddie Cabrera, hey, better, better swing. Since uh, you mentioned mirror boxes, I gotta mention there's a book called Inside the Mirror Box by Ray Baker. And Ray Baker is a friend of mine, a local witch, and he has written one of the best books I've read on mirror boxes. He really mm -hmm. covers everything in all the different ways to use it and all of that sort of stuff. So if you look that up, it's worth a read. Definitely worth a read. Mm -hmm. Craig's here. Hello, Craig. Hello. And Mahakala, interesting with some 
a line of very strange words, all from different languages. Okay. With a he 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 in there. All right. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? Curses, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do y'all want to know about curses? You know, yeah. um, what would you like to talk about? What have you heard? Um, do you want us to talk about types of curses or how to avoid curses? Of course, we talked about that in our protection show. Actually, coming back to Return to Sender, um, we could also talk about counter curses. Mm. Yeah. Which are not necessarily Return to Sender, because Return to Sender would be bouncing the energy that is sent back to them. Mm -hmm. But a counter curse is more of a, you know, you've been cursed and therefore you are sending your own curse back to them in order to nullify theirs. Yeah. Uh, Scarlet Triss had cursed from birth, myth. Yeah. Well, so. generational curses and cursed from birth, I think, are one of the most common tropes for scammers. To tell people, mm. oh, your life is miserable because you have this big, terrible thing on you. And when you're depressed and your mind is lying to you and things are bad, um, you know, it, it's nice to believe that none of this is your fault and it's just some mystical thing. And, oh, they'll just charge you $888 and they'll remove it. <laughs> so yeah. I think um, something to be extremely wary of. However, I do think generational curses are really a thing. And I do think that there are circumstances when um, people can be cursed very, very young, very early. Um, that's why we have all of those taboos and things around uh, ways to take care of babies and naming and so on and so forth in the very early, rather dangerous time um, from uh, conception through pregnancy through birth in that first year. So I don't think it's a myth. But I also would would not believe someone who told me I was cursed from birth or that I had a generational curse on me because probably they're a scammer. Now, of course, use your discernment. Um, there have been times where I have done astrological readings and it's just been super bad, super bad. And then, you know, usually I talk to him about, hey, I really did see all this stuff in your chart. Um, here's some things you can do to remediate that, you know, here's some prayers, here's some places to get help. I usually try to match that to whatever religion they currently have. I don't expect them to change religion in the middle of something like that, you know, mm -hmm. um, but very rarely am I the one that helps them with that magical point. I'm just the reader, you know, I help them find it. Um, and I do usually talk to them about scammers at that point because um, I don't want them just going to the next reader and they're like, oh, yeah, and I'll fix it for you for thousands of dollars. So it's it's a bad situation that that's a really common scam. Uh, but I do think it really does actually exist. It's just not it's not everybody. It's not super common. Um, much more likely are runs of bad luck or periods um time frames of bad luck as opposed to being cursed or being cursed from birth or a generational curse those are much bigger 
and much less common occurrences. And I'm seeing a lot in the South African groups, actually, people saying that they've been told they've got a generational curse. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, like I said, it's, I think, the most common refrain I hear from scammers and from people who have been scammed. And unfortunately, um, that has been part of uh, the divination scene since there was a divination scene scamming and lying and making things up and preying on people's fears and i ha i don't know how to um avoid that other than things like guilds and certifications and that sort of thing that are part of astrology and tarot and other reading communities um mm. you know and, and they're designed just to to ensure that people are ethical and uphold what they say they will and follow those ethics so but people are going to be jerks no matter what's going on and scammers are going to scam it's just you know just there unfortunately so we have our world yeah all right let me let me go over to the chat because there's lots coming in um lady capera said i have the sigil of baal on my front door and also my lovely pazuzu plate by my door Everyone leaves me alone. One way to do Landy that. Asked, yeah. Put all, put all witchy and scary stuff on your front door. People will definitely leave you alone. Uh, although I know some people have done that and they got a lot of trouble for it. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Where you are. Yeah. Um, Landy asked, how do you know you are cursed or just having a spell of bad luck? That's actually a very good question because it's sometimes difficult to actually discern between the two. Especially if um, the, the person throwing the curse was skilled enough to make it seem like bad mm. luck. From my own experience, I would say if you know somebody like Rev Kai, <laughs> who does fantastic readings and astrological readings, ask. Um, if you are going through a, an extended period where you're just completely down, all of, and it's a complete change to your usual state, and your um, house becomes messy, and you keep forgetting to wash the dishes and things like that, it's probably a lot of negative energy that's going on you, and that could be a curse. And it's not just a short bad spell. Those those bad bad luck or bad spells, I think, are quite short. Well, Usually. they can last sometimes a year or so, sometimes mm. a little longer. Um, I agree. Ask. If you read or you have a reader, turn to divination. This is a perfect time. Uh, but also uh, treat to cure, treat to diagnose. Um, do something, cleanse first. And if that doesn't take care of it, do something to increase good luck. You know. There are plenty of spells that draw good luck, that increase good luck. Go find a four-leaf clover. Um, purposefully work towards increasing good luck. Uh, that will create breathing space for a run of bad luck. It won't do diddly for a curse. And so that can often be a way to tell. Now, if you're having a run of bad luck that's, you know, just because 
Saturn is currently sitting on top of your besieged sun or something. I don't know. Um, there are times when we just have things don't go right for us. That will pass and the good luck remediation will help, but it won't cure it. It'll just be that breathing space and you'll have to keep it up until that condition is passed. But it won't do anything for a curse. It won't address it. Um, cleansing might help address the curse if it's not real well stuck in. It might help address just the accumulation of, of bad energy and that sort of thing, you know. Um, back when I was doing hospice, I would go see some patients sometimes and they'd be like, I don't know why I've had so much trouble breathing for the last couple of weeks. And it's, oh, because nobody's been able to come and clean. You know, mm. things have just gotten dirty and for some reason, you know, regular uh, house cleaning wasn't available. It, it wasn't the illness progressing or anything like that. So the first thing always in any of those, am I cursed? Am I having a run of bad luck? Have I been overlooked? Is it the evil eye is cleanse? And that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to take care of it, but that's your first step in the process of diagnosing what is going on and why. And then I think mm -hmm. the second step is always increase your good luck and make offerings to whoever helps you. Ancestors, gods, demons, uh, guides, whatever that is for you, whatever your spirit allies are. Make an offering and say, hey, help me. <laughs> Stuff is going mm -hmm. bad. Help me out. You know, and once you get through those three early steps, you've probably got a better idea what's going on. Even if you aren't a reader, don't do divination, don't have access to someone who does divination, that sort of thing. So. I think cleansing is definitely important. I mean, mm -hmm. If you're not sure, then there's no, there's no harm in doing a cleansing. Um, just getting yourself clean anyway. Yeah. And if you're going to do your own divination, you need to cleanse if you're in a bad space. If you're hurt and um, feeling cursed or feeling like you're having bad luck, whatever that is, you can't do accurate divination from that spot. You're going to have to cleanse and make make a clear little bubble, a safe little bubble where you can get a divination done. Mm. But, you know, lots of people offer, am I cursed? You know, I... I have a, a very small, very short, just in my cursed reading that I do for people all the time that's cheap because if you're cursed, you probably don't have disposable income or extra time or a whole bunch of mental energy to deal with it. You just need an answer. Yes or no. Mm. That's what I found when I'm in that situation. I just, I just want to know so I can just do the next thing. You know, I don't want... Yeah, I don't want in-depth psychoanalysis. I just want yes or no, and where is it coming from? <laughs> so you can do something about it. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> There's actually a brilliant um, Jewish Kabbalistic method. Um, I call it creation of black water, um, it's, but it's usually called cutting the ties that bind. And I, I did a video on it. Uh, it was back in August 2020. Um, the reason I bring it up is because the ritual itself, oh, bad water. <clears throat> um, what it what it actually does, it actually completely and utterly 
gives you a clean slate. Now, a lot of people don't want to use this because it actually cuts all ties, um, literally cuts all ties to everything. And then what you can do is you then reestablish the connections with the people you actually want in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a brilliant ritual. As far as I remember, the Jews do it once a year on the spring equinox, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, but it's absolutely, it just really is really good. Very, very good. Yeah, I've, I've done rituals like that. Just reset everything, everything off, completely off. And then going back through and going, oh, I open my heart to you. I establish connection. I open my mm-hmm. heart to you. I establish connection. You know, that sort of thing. And that includes like my children and my spouse because they do get removed in that process. So mm-hmm. don't don't just remove everything and then don't reconnect because then you will be a very miserable, lonely person. Um, Although what you do find is that a lot of people will actually start contacting you because they feel that that loss and that emptiness. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. my message, my text messages will go crazy. Hey, I miss your energy. Oh, I haven't heard from you mm. in a while. I miss talking to you. It's because, yeah, I cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> yep. Um, next question, Craig asked, how do you think curses work? What is the mechanism that creates it? Same as any magic, really. Yeah, wow. That's a big question. That's how magic works with everything. Well, and there's cursing in every kind of magic, I would think. I'm trying to think if there's, you know, like culture, high magic, low magic, folk magic, Italian, Romani. You know all those all those things we put in front of the word magic mm-hmm. there's cursing in there and so how magic works in that is how cursing works i mean and then there's like overlooking or the evil eye um which you know can even be done unconsciously mm, it's usually so, through jealousy through jealousy covetousness that sort of thing but it can be done on purpose too and is often considered a knack that some people are born with the ability to overlook others um and usually they have to learn to control it like most of our dacks we end up doing bad things with them before we realize and then we have to learn control and dedication so that we can actually use it in constructive ways in our life i think overlooking Mm -hmm. is just the same but lots and lots of different ways yeah that's true you know, I think a lot of knacks are, are things you can learn also, um, just whether or not it's easy for you to grasp or not. And then there's like, we talked about headology, uh, somebody knowing that they're cursed, um, they can often just manifest it all on their own. Belief is a very powerful mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, there's foot track magic. That's pretty common in cursing. Um, you lay down a curse. And someone will walk over it and pick it up through their feet or um, you'll put it in their foot track so that it is connected to them. Lots and lots of forms of sympathetic magic involved in cursing um, that involve tag box. Um, urine, hair is very common. Signatures are very common. So something to connect it to that person, uh, which is the same mechanism that a lot of healing works on something to connect it to that person and be able to get energy directly to them 
That's why cursing and healing are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Uh, Lady Capera said generational curses, please. Yeah. Um, Mahakala, my father did a family curse on me, causing rheumatic, rheumatic pain. I worked it out with a pendulum. How can I get rid of an ancestor family curse from the father's side? So, yeah, generational curses and ancestral curses, family curses. Um, I believe they're definitely a thing, and I believe uh, they can be remediated. I think for a lot of people, they show up as uh, genetic diseases. You mm -hmm. know? So... Um, I'm always of the mind that you should approach things on all levels. You got to do the physical side of things in order for the magical side of things to work. You can't do a job spell and not put in any applications or not get your mm. resume out there. Um, when it comes to curses that have physical manifestations, you can't just do the magic and not do any physical healing either. So you have to explore that side of things, the medical side of things. But um, usually going to um, someone spirit-wise outside of your ancestors and working through that stuff. Shadow work helps a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, going through that process. Um, soul retrieval is another way to deal with ancestral and generational curses, whether you're doing that or whether you're seeing... Um, a professional witch, like we talked about last week, we were talking about soul retrieval and that process. I think we were. You're giving me weird looks. Maybe we weren't. Maybe I dreamed that. Time's not real. I've, I... been, I've been doing soul retrieval and, and restudying lately, so maybe I communicated that somewhere, somewhere along the line. I thought yeah. we didn't talk about that on the show last week. Don't uh, think so, no. Okay, well... Mm, it may have come up. I don't know. I'm getting old. I don't remember these things. <laughs> don't mind my strange witchy Claire audience kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> anyways, soul retrieval um, can go a long ways towards helping a lot of generational and family curses. The thing that doesn't work is going to your ancestors. And I, I work with ancestors all the time. They're a big part of my work. You know, they're a big part of my process. Um, even uh, when I've done a lot of at work in Pagans in Recovery, I tend to turn to my ancestors as opposed to gods because that's that's where I'm comfortable. But uh, they really usually don't have the tools to deal with generational and family curses because they're part of it. They're under it. So you have to go somewhere else. Um, one thing I have noticed that comes up in generational curses doing shadow work is working through a lot of trauma with your ancestors and doing healing for them before you end up healing yourself. And again, that's whether you're doing it or whether you're seeing someone professional to do it. But working yeah. through that piece by piece, and it's not, it's not a one thing. It's not do this spell and light this white candle and say this chant and then the curse will be gone. Generational curses took a lot of time to build up they take a lot of time to take off. They take a lot of repeated scrubbings. It's like rebuilding a house. It's not, it's, it's going to be the same house when you're done, but it's going to be totally different. And you have to tear things all the way down and you have to build them all the way back up. 
and it takes some time and it takes some dedicated work. Yeah. It's also a bit like um, the thread of energy that started at one point and continues through person to person to person. It just carries on going. Yeah, and you have to go back and, and you have untangle it the all the way back or break mm. it or cut it all the way back. You got to trace it. Mm. Which can take some time. Yeah, and most of them are so entrenched. You just, it's got to be a repeated thing. Even if you have great success on that first session, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to go over that, it again. That I always like to explain as a weed. You mm. Pull out a weed, it'll grow back. You have to keep pulling it out until you get the roots, the roots die and then, then it'll stop coming back. Yeah, yeah. You're probably leaving behind seeds. You're probably leaving behind bits of roots. Mm. You got to really work at it. That mm. doesn't mean it's impossible or that it'll take forever or anything like that. It is, it is possible. It absolutely is to turn that around and, and change that course. Uh, Scarlet Trist said, usually scammers will play headology with cursed. Mm. Pop culture has much to do with just about everyone being cursed. Yeah. 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 Um, well, and generation, generational curses are now in the realm of shadow work. Don't do what your parents did. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. True. My mum always used to say, don't do what I do, do what I say. <laughs> I, I've talked with my kids several times about, hey, here's some mistakes I made in life, you know, and what I learned from them. And the goal is that you don't get, you get to make different mistakes. You don't have to make the same ones I did. Mm. So. Learn from my mistakes is also yeah. quite a popular phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lady Capera said, truth or march is relieving for the whole headology trip know thyself and carry on that's a mm. very good point um when in the midst of being under a curse or when deciding if you should curse someone you need to be able to stand in absolute truth and mm. that is not the time to learn that is a skill you better have figured out before that point because it is a tough thing it is not easy to do but it is a skill that is absolutely required for good magic and especially when dealing with curses no matter what side of them you're on you want as much truth as you can get and it's it's not comfortable it's not easy um and if you're going to work with goddesses of truth like Ma'at and other goddesses um, have your shit together <laughs> because mm. uh, it will be brought up and addressed whether you're ready for it or not um, but it's really one of the the most valuable tools in the witch's toolbox and it's it's the first corner of the pyramid to know to will to dare and to be silent you have to know yourself in order to do magic and mm having that that point in your compass that you can go to that you can center yourself in truth is so so valuable when you find yourself in bad situations where you are cursed or you find yourself in bad situations where you feel you need to curse someone you need to be able to stand in that truth yeah um, Angel Face asked, what about the threefold law? 
I know many many don't believe in it, but what if you do? Depends which way we're talking. Whether there's a threefold law is usually um, has the return function to it. Yeah. So which, so, yeah. Well, I was going to say some people believe that returning a curse is part of the threefold law. Mm. But I think it's it's almost become a case of people believing that the threefold law is a natural a natural law. Um, you do something to somebody and it will naturally return threefold to them, yeah. which is definitely not the case. No. If, it, if it's if it's once or twice or three times, still not the case. I've heard ten times too. All of it. I don't. Now, I believe in once. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I can throw a ball at the floor and it bounces back. It hits with the same force. The force is partially dispersed into the floor. Some of it is returned to the ball, depending upon the material. I can observe that. And mm. so I know since energy works like that in the physical, it works like that in other areas too. But that's not three times. That's, that's force. That's just how force works. You know, mm. and... Um, which is the exact reason there are times when I decide I want someone out of my life. I'm not going to curse them. I am going to bless them with a new job and a new house and a great life and everything else just over there. Because then that energy flows through me and I get that return. You yeah. know, so, but I, I don't believe in the threefold law and I especially don't believe it in it as a, wagging finger to avoid doing bad things um bad things happen this is the world we live in um witchcraft is the tool of the oppressed and the marginalized those who do not have other social power it always has mm -hmm. been and so it is always been the uh, place where people fight back and to tie someone's hands and tell them that they cannot do that, I think is antithetical to witchcraft in and of itself. But I also don't think that the threefold law, as I learned it, says that. I don't think it does say that, but I think it's become a, a general understanding. I, I think that's a poor interpretation that mm. don't do bad things. It'll come back on you times three. Um, you know but that's a, a big debate um and and like i said some people believe that returning the curse or sending it back up to three times is fully justified you know it's one of those you know don't throw the first punch things which i also don't necessarily believe in um words hurt just as much as physical stuff does in some cases and this is one of those things where it's ethics and it's all very uh, situationally dependent. What's going mm -hmm. on? Who's got the power? You know, but like I said, you know, in cases of child abuse, I, I really don't hesitate that much to curse. When I am sure that there is child abuse happening or I am sure that someone was raped. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I, I will do that. And I'm not afraid of something coming back on me because of that because i know i am standing in truth and i know that it is worth it although you do have to be sure that it did happen i've had cases where yeah. people have come to me asking for things 
asking for this and that because X, Y, and Z happened and, you know, child molestation or whatever, and I just see red and go crazy. And the story was completely and utterly twisted. So yeah, but that's... got to be sure. Yeah, that whole discernment, and that's not easy in the middle of that mm. situation. We all have emotional reactions. So... Mm. All right. Should we take a break and then come back to the rest of the chat? Because we've got a very active chat. I love this. Carry on, Awesome, people. awesome. Yes. More and more questions and comments and thoughts. Yes. And we'll have to refresh right. our hot chocolate. Yes. And we'll see you just now. Have a good one. Welcome back to the Black Hat Chat, and we are talking about curses. Lots of curses. And not cussing. Oh, yeah. All right. I, I have <laughs> definitely cursed someone by cussing them a blue streak. Up one side <laughs> and down the other. <laughs> All right, let's get back over to the chat over here. Lady Capera said, the curse may be what is actually needed to identify your own shadow self. Good could point. be sometimes i don't yeah, know because it, it can't it can bring up issues which you kind of don't want to deal with yeah um and yeah. It, it kind of forces you to actually deal with it yeah i mean i don't want to be all love and light but it it can be helpful to look for the positive in bad situations just as long as it doesn't become a culpability thing or a denial thing like oh this this positive thing happened so let's forget that it was a bad terrible thing you know mm. we can see the positive and still realize that it was a bad terrible thing well i think on that whole love and light thing um i mean we're talking about doing a blessing instead of a curse and things like that i find a lot of people who they they get into this cursing path mm. and all they do is just curse after curse after curse and if you're surrounding yourself with that energy it's just going to start bleeding through yeah and yeah. then you get stuck yeah which is probably you know in a lot of cases depending on what the situation is it's probably better to do a blessing so that you actually get that energy which is the whole uh, return thing yeah well yeah and you're, when the only on. tool you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail expand your toolbox mm. You know, mm. you need a variety of, of methods to address things and because there's a variety of situations. There's always nuance. There's always complexity. There's always a bunch of factors to consider in any situation. They are very, very rarely cut and dry. You mm. know, and how close you are to it, how involved you are, whether you're in the center or not. There's a lot of things going on every time. Yeah. But I definitely do know witches that have gotten in that discursive mode and they revel in it. They quite enjoy, you know, throwing mm. curses and having their little poppet box and putting people in the corner and putting them inside mirror boxes and all this other stuff. And then they're always like, well, I don't know why everything is falling apart and why I'm having all this problem and my garden won't grow and the food keeps going rotten in my kitchen. And I'm like, because this is what you're living in. This is what you're doing all the time. And if that's what you want to do, 
not my problem. <laughs> witches are free. Witches are free to chart their own path. Um, but you gotta you gotta take your licks. You know, you gotta deal with what you put out there. And um, you know, I always consider: Am I willing to pay the coin for what I'm going to mm. do? Because there is a cost. Sometimes the cost is awesome. Sometimes the cost is I'm going to do this healing on this person and I'm going to be healed myself. Cool. I'm willing to pay that sometimes coin. Take it on. You know, mm. and sometimes is I'm going to curse this person and I'm going to get the stomach flu for a week. And mm. sometimes that's totally worth it to me. You know, but you have to you have to look and see what that is. You have to decide if it's worth it to you. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not just about being responsible. It's also about not blaming others or not blaming something else. Because a lot of people do that. They blame mm, yeah. the spirits or God or whatever it is. It's not their fault when something bad happens to them. But if you do something and it returns something bad, just take the response, you know, be responsible. Yeah. And, and, and did it. that's why cleansing and protection is so important when you're going to do cursing, but also recognizing that you're going to have to take responsibility for what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, Richard said regular, regular cleansing should be done anyway, even if it's just a smoke cleanse. Smoke yeah. cleanse is fantastic. Um, well, I, there's a reason witches are associated with brooms. It's not just because we ride around on them. Because yeah. we're always sweeping. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Cleaning, cleansing, whatever. <laughs> Why are you sweeping the ceiling? I have to sweep the ceiling. <laughs> You're just here during the sweeping the ceiling bit. <laughs> uh, Dr. Zero, free magic secrets show. Dr. Zero said hello there. Hello, Dr. Zero. Uh, bindings from the Necronomicon, the binding of evil sorcerers. The Necronomicon is an interesting book. Um, one, because it's fiction, but two, it's created egregores. Can we even say they're egregores? Um, which are quite effective. Magic is extremely effective. I think the same could be said of the Bible. True. Actually, there's something I forgot to, to mention to you. A while back, I came across John D. Um, there's, a, there's a document from him. Um, it's now republished. And it's a grimoire. And all of the spirits in there are from the Necronomicon. I don't know if it's somebody who created a piece of fiction and decided to put John D's name on it. But if it actually came from John D, hmm. um, I haven't had a chance to actually look into it. But John. yeah, I found that quite interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. Because hmm. mm, that, that was long before um, Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The whole, is it fiction? Is it true? I mean, creative people, artists, people who write books can absolutely pick up on true things, I'm not sure that's the right word in this case, and channel it. 
and turn it into a work of fiction that in, then enters the consciousness and greatly affects culture. Or they could just wholly create it if we don't think they're picking up on something and it enters and influences culture. Um, I don't think fiction makes it less worthy. Time, no. time is one of those things that is a marker of worthiness. That doesn't mean new things aren't worthy, but the test of time is there for a reason. If a lot of people filter through it and use it and get results, you're more likely to get results. If a lot of people filter through it and continually discard it, then it doesn't carry on, you know? So I, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've always found the Necronomicon funny as in like a joke book. Uh, but mm. therefore I don't use it. It doesn't work for me. That doesn't mean it doesn't well, work for other people. To believe. Right. Yeah. And I, I, mean, it's just like... I can't get past that threshold of me laughing at it to actually invest with the material. Mm. But it's like uh, people creating a thought form mm -hmm. just out of the blue from intense emotions. Um, I mean, a thought form can throw books off a bookshelf. Oh, yeah. It can get quite physical. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's just someone's thoughts and emotions. So to take a book full of spirits, which is written as a grimoire, even if it's fiction, if enough people actually believe it and use it, they add to that energy and create egregores. Yeah. So and just as powerful as any other spirit. Egregores are a thing. They're not just, mm. I mean, they're, I consider them a, a documented phenomenon. I mean, mm. watch sports teams watch the creation of an egregore over time as the mascot for the sports teams gets embodied by the mm. collective beliefs of the people participating in the ritual combat and spectators and support you know they're not even magical intent happening there but it still works it still does it it still happens mm. yep uh, Scott tries to ask, can, excuse me, can a cursed person affect you just by you being around them? I think so, because we do, I'm going to come back to Castaneda now, um, consensual reality. Uh, the way it's explained with Castaneda and Don Juan is that we have rings of power, and the first ring of power um, is kind of outside our periphery, but it overlaps. Everybody's rings of power overlap, which creates consensual reality. That in itself, I mean, energy bleeds between people. When we meet somebody and we talk to them, we connect with them energetically. And that power gets passed back and forth. So I'd say, yes, it can definitely, it can definitely affect you. I find that a lot of cursed people are leaking energy, and especially life force and therefore mm -hmm. become basically psychic vampires because they're trying to survive. And so they can drain the people around them, um, not intentionally, uh, not through any maliciousness. They're just trying to make it, you know. Um, also, some curses are designed to just gather up a bunch of negative energy and pile it around the person. And so if you're around them and they have this pile of, of gunk and terrible 
astral entities and all sorts of stuff around them, you're going to be in that field. So there's a lot of different ways that being around a cursed person can affect you. That doesn't mean it always happens. Um, mm. Especially family and generational curses, is, bleh, curses stint, tend to stay fairly isolated to that family line. They don't tend to bleed over like that. Um, but, you know, there's lots of options. Um, I have had some people tell me before, because uh, I go to a lot of readers, and, you know, um, I want to keep apprised of what's going on in the community, um, tell me that, you know, oh, I sat next to someone who was cursed on the bus, and I picked up their curse. That, mm, You can't quite take it from someone. I don't think so. Um, I don't think they're that contagious. Um, but we could also say that, you know, the common cold is a kind of curse. It floats through the air. Mm. It's unseen. It has contagion. It makes people fall ill. Um, just depends on how we're defining things. We tend to find um, the scientific answer reasoning behind things and then move that out of the realm of magic. You know, when our ancestors probably really would have considered something like the common cold a curse. Floating miasma, bad air, all of those sorts of mm. things. And just like we're talking about cursing cancer, um, we can use magical tools to address that in addition to our other tools that we now have. You know, always have a, a robust toolbox. Yeah, actually, I think what you mentioned um, about... Somebody who is cursed are usually bleeding life force and life energy, and therefore they do become psychic vampires. That's definitely a, something you would notice when you're around a person, because mm -hmm. your energy would, be, would end up being drained all the time. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very interesting book, Psychic Self-Defense by Dion Fortune, actually. I usually go back to that when uh, there's some interesting methods to actually stop psychic vampirism in there. Yeah, lots of good, lots of good nuggets of information in self-defense in the Unfortunate's book. Not that I agree with her mm. on much else, but mm. yeah. Um, let's see, Lady Quira said, "Rev Kai, ha ha ha, cut them off." Oh, That's obviously, we're behind. We're way behind in our our I chat. <laughs> that I'm, was when, when I was <laughs> talking about you know cutting all ties and then adding people back. And getting those people that are like, hey, I miss your energy. Hey, I haven't heard mm. from you in a while. Like, ha-ha, <laughs> you. <laughs> you Damn were the nosy one showing up here that didn't belong. Candace <laughs> <laughs> uh, said, Rev Kai, speaking my language, science all the way. Yeah, Candace is a science witch, so there you go. Favoritism. Um... <laughs> Favoritism towards <laughs> science? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that can be um, a thing. <laughs> Deborah said again, don't play around with something you, you know little about. Yeah, that's true. But you get a lot of, I think you get a lot of people who come into witchcraft, they do like a love spell or a money spell, and then they think, well, now I'm, now I'm a proficient witch. <laughs> and they just start cursing everybody. Because, you know. Yeah, yeah. I thought I knew what I was doing when I was 
you know, two years into this. Holy crap, I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> I was quickly. blundering blindly in the darkness and screwing yeah. shit up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we all got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a question. Uh, Scarlet Tress, basic question. What are considered curses? Uh, blessings killing with kindness. Mm. Lots of things, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that killing with kindness, that's definitely a, a kind of thing. I, I guess a curse would be defined as something which affects another person negatively. Yeah, and that's a huge umbrella. Because yeah. there, there are intentional curses and unintentional curses. You know, you can outblink someone without meaning to. Um, um, I mean, there's all sorts of taboos about um, how to speak of the dead. Don't speak ill of the dead because you may curse them. You know, being newly dead is just like being newly born. It's kind of a the transition between worlds is kind of a dangerous time, and so you know you can accidentally cause curses in both time frames by what you say or what you do mm. but then there's absolutely intentional things i mean some of the curses i know literally involve standing in front of someone and going i curse you plus some other things mm. <laughs> you know well so. i mean there there you literally you're literally projecting energy and also creating headology so mm -hmm. great curse i think yeah curses are are Things that turn out bad, and blessings are things that turn out good. Um, and one may start with this intention and end up with that intention. Uh, mm. So I do find a lot of people who, as I was saying earlier, you know, people want to get rid of somebody in their life. I do find a lot of people go straight for the curse and they just keep cursing and cursing and cursing and nothing happens. The person stays around, as you said, it binds the person to you. Mm -hmm. And then when you try and explain to them that's happening, they don't want it because all they want to do is hurt the person. Yeah. And you try and remind them that, well, the intention was to get rid of them. So what you're doing is not working. It's not getting rid of them. Therefore, do something different. Yeah. Well, if your intention is to hurt the person, mm. then that's your intention. Um, yeah, think about what is the ultimate outcome. The way you can fuck up magic the quickest is micromanage it. You, mm -hmm. you have the situation you're in and you have the situation you want as the outcome and you should not meddle with the, the road there. You should just look ahead to the situation you want and do the magic to make that happen. And cursing can get uh, too meddlesome and cause a lot of problems usually for the person casting the curses um, because they're trying to determine every step of the way. Oh, I want them to wake up with a headache and then I want them to feel sick to their stomach and then I want them to stub their toe and then I want this and then I want that. Mm. That's a hundred different spells instead of the ultimate outcome. I want them to realize what they did to me hurt and not do it again. Or I want them to realize they caused pain and apologize. You know, whatever that outcome is that you want, 
curses, intentionally thrown curses, are, in my opinion, usually for correcting something so that people don't do it again. You know, like a stop gossip spell. I think of that as a curse, especially when you get the beef tongue and you put all the hot peppers inside and you pin it up. It's got a lot of elements of cursing, even if it may not necessarily be called a curse. There's sympathetic magic and punishment and all sorts of things going on. But you don't do stop gossip because you don't want that person in your life anymore. You want them to stop mm. gossiping and then presumably be around and not do the shitty behavior. Mm. So affecting someone's behavior. Mm -hmm. But that's not even a negative way. That's in a positive way. Well, maybe it might be negative for them because they like to gossip. But Right. But that, yeah. you know, I would consider that a curse. Uh, just mm. as... Um, some of the other classic ones about uh, stopping up someone's nature and, and that sort of thing. Those are curses. Those are, you know, but they're to correct a behavior. Can we, can we define between cursing and baneful magic? I don't know what the difference would be, especially with our big, broad terms. Yeah, no. Because it's quite possible that baneful magic would cover all those things which are curse-like, but not particularly cursing. Well, yeah. I think this is one of those, uh, depends on how you want to use the terms and will probably vary from person to person and tradition to mm. tradition. I mean, I consider all of those curses. I wouldn't think baneful magic is different than curses. I mean... Um, Bane and blessing can grow on the same stem, you know, too much bane or a small, small bane may cure and too much boon may curse. Uh, mm -hmm. More proverbs, you know, it, the poison is in the dose. So, I don't know. Yeah. Difficult. Yeah, it, it's, here we are at labels and semantics and, and words again. Hmm. Um, Craig said, I tried to help a pal once. Magic got the job done, but the way it happened wasn't gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of think of it like your magic sits in a big truck with a big metal thing on the front and it just drives down the road and it smashes everything out the way to get to its target. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Unless you craft your magic to be otherwise. <laughs> which you can although um i i will say that talking about you know those first couple of years when i thought i knew what i was doing it was a big giant truck with a cow catcher on the front just plowing everything over and i got results but you can uh you can learn finesse and delicacy and elegance in your magic <laughs> nothing... sometimes it's fun to just get in the truck <laughs> true but nothing like sitting there on a saturday sipping your hot chocolate watching a very elegantly stitched curse unfold on the person as they go through the realization they were being a shitty fucking asshole and now they better get their shit together <laughs> i will sit on the porch and watch that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I am sure uh, some of my fellow witches have absolutely said about me at times too. 
I'm sure. I, I have been on the other end of the broomstick, believe me, <laughs> doing <laughs> dumb things. Um, Yolandi said, I've been asked a few times to curse people, but it's not my style. It will take a lot for me to curse. Yeah. You know, the problem is that a lot of people think that just because you're a witch, you know, somebody at work looked at you funny, oh, curse them for me. Um, comes up again and again and again and again and it's like I actually got offered a lot of money once just to curse somebody um, their co-worker because they were just irritating I did say no because it's just stupid <laughs> yeah everybody yeah. has their line and mm. you get to define that for yourself what you're willing to do and not willing to do um, mm many of the training programs i've been through for divination one thing they talk about is you need to figure out what kind of readings you're willing to do and you need to make that clear before you take on a client you know are you gonna read about somebody's love life are you gonna do the are they cheating on me questions and the same thing when you start doing magic for other people you probably need to know ahead of time what you're willing to do and not willing to do because it will give you a little more solid standing uh, than when somebody comes to you and says, will you do this for me? You know, you will already have thought through, uh, these are situations I probably wouldn't, these are situations I probably would. Every situation will require you to examine it. But um, if you're a witch and you're doing successful magic, even if other people don't necessarily know that you're a witch, somebody's going to ask you. Mm. People can just sense it. We, we have a way of knowing uh, that people can get things done. So, you know, sort that out, really, uh, for yourself. It's another one of those being able to stand in truth. It's another one of those completing your compass things and being able to move through that. You need to go there. You need to examine it. And you need to be comfortable with the answers you come to. Because a lot of us end up in situations uh, where a friend, someone we care for, asks us to do something, and we think, I would do that for you. But probably not for other people. And yeah. then sometimes our boundaries get mushy for ourselves, or, um, you know, it turns out we do it, and no, we wouldn't have done it for them. We weren't right about that. You know, so we need to examine those things in advance. We need to fill in that portion of our compass for ourselves um, so that when mm. it is time to go examine the nuance of the situation, the unique things, we can do that with our our own structure already in place. Mm. Um, Craig said the Psalms are used in voodoo and in hoodoo. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm going to do some shameless promotion now for my mentor, my old mentor. Yakorba uh, Swat, he brought out, the last book he brought out was the Book of Magical Psalms, Part 1. He's busy with Part 2. It's a monster of a book um, and a monster of a topic because there are two parts to it. I think each book's got about five to 700 pages. Um, so, yeah, if you want to actually really get into the Psalms, I'd, I'd suggest it's a brilliant book, absolutely brilliant book. 
It really takes up the not just the sounds, but the actual magic um, used in Jewish magic and Kabbalah part very well. Well, you know, my comment about the same thing could be said of uh, the Bible as an Necronomicon. The Bible is considered a, a magical grimoire in many, many traditions. Many, mm. you know, mm. lots of lots of magicians use the Bible, the Psalms, other parts out of the Bible, out of the Apocrypha, all sorts of things. So, I mean, it's not just voodoo and hoodoo. I mean, there's a lot of witches that use mm -hmm. the Bible. That's all I know, specifically the Psalms. Deech Powwow uses the Bible. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots and lots of them. Yeah. In fact, um, I was reading somewhere that at least three of the Psalms, well, three of the Psalms that made it into into the New Testament, the Old Testament, um, actually came, originated from Egypt itself, not from the Israelites. Um, because at the time they were very much interrelated. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, the Psalms are used in voodoo and lots of other places and uh, lots of other traditions. Uh, Lady Capos said, for me, it's innocence. Don't F with innocent animals, children, elderly people, etc. True. Yeah. Hate animal abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Every time I scroll down, it skips up. Um, uh, Craig said Psalm 109 is used to curse. <clears throat> I think this might be more, actually. Uh, Lady Capera said, for me, it doesn't matter who wrote Necronomicon, if it's fiction or not, I get tangible results, so it's no longer fiction to me. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 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 It's, it's belief. I mean, as we said, if, if somebody's actually using it and they, they're thinking in the back of their head, this is fiction, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Right. They're going to block it. Anyway. If you yeah. know you're going to short circuit your belief, then it's not going to work. Uh, but if you mm. if you work it and you get results out of it and it's successful, do it. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Use it. Mm. And not everybody's witchcraft is the same. Not everybody can do the same witchcraft. And we all have our blockages that you know yeah. mean we can't get things through I, I i don't do bible magic or necronomicon magic because i i can't your wheelhouse yeah. yeah so i think a lot of people who do who do curses and find that it doesn't work it's usually because they don't feel justified and in the back mm. of their head they're they're doing the work they're doing the magic but in the back of their head they're going i shouldn't really be doing this yeah that'll it's like casting out your magic and grabbing it by the tail and pulling it back and going, wait, I don't know. I want to talk it over. Mm. You know, um, <laughs> if you're still talking it over, you're not ready to do the magic. <laughs> uh, Scarlet Triss said, for those who believe in reincarnation, do you then inherit the soul's ancestry curse as well as the family you are born into generational curse? Mm. Hope that makes sense. So I think this depends on the cosmology of what's going on. Um, my particular cosmology involves a process in reincarnation where the person is washed of memories and connections. They literally move through this series of waterfalls and different parts of previous lives are stripped off 
and that ancestral curse would be stripped off at that point so that it wouldn't be able to pass through but um that is not necessarily a universal belief about reincarnation um or how it works so it would really depend upon you know what's going on a lot of questions like this especially when we talk about things like reincarnation and that sort of stuff you're going to get a whole bunch of different answers because different mm -hmm. cultures and different times interpret the process differently we don't like we don't know what happens we don't have a, a newton's law for reincarnation so i'm sure we're missing bits and pieces we're doing the best we can interpreting what we have and that's why we have a bunch of different answers and I think the culture and the beliefs that we end up with in our, our Orle in each incarnation, there's a reason for that. We need to work within that pattern. Uh, that doesn't mean the culture you're born into. It means the culture and beliefs you end up with, because we don't always match the one we're born into, right? Mm -hmm. Many of us in witchcraft are well aware that we don't match the cultures and beliefs of our parents or our grandparents or so on and so forth. So um, I think there's a reason we're in the pattern we're in, in those different times. Yeah, it can get really complicated because if you think about it, if, if a person's born into the Jones family, then they have a particular ancestry. Then in the next reincarnation, they're born into the Smith family, which has that own ancestral line. Um, so if you take reincarnation from reincarnation, you've got all these ancestral lines that you get connected to. And if we consider the cosmic soup, where you get thrown into primordial mishmash of everything and everybody, and then you get pulled out, you've got all those bits and pieces of everybody stuck to you as well. Well, just proves the whole idea that anybody is individual is just ludicrous. Mm. We're all deeply interconnected, especially energetically. Mm. Um, there was something I saw on a TikTok today, actually. Um, the egg theory. Um, it was, if I'm, if I'm trying to put it into as few words as possible. Um, so God created an individual and that everybody that exists now in the past and the future is that individual as different reincarnations um and then when you've lived all of those reincarnations you then become god well that was really interesting <laughs> interesting way to think about it yeah especially if time's cyclical not linear so you create yourself yeah but we like uh, to we like to take God over there, and yeah, we're getting getting into weird philosophical discussions as we do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Candace asked, "Wouldn't cursing away a trait be messing with someone's free will?" Ah, oh, is depends. it fate or is it free will? Can you fuck with oh, free no. will? <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to tell you to go, everybody to go and watch the Fate versus Free Will live. We did. I get way confused. Way confused. Okay, back into that now. <laughs> so I think the the sacrosanct idea of the don't touch anybody's free will um, has become another one of those don't do bad things 
finger-wagging things like a misinterpretation of the threefold law. Mm. Um, fate and free will, I think, is a spectrum with a range of things, and no one is a, a completely isolated individual without influence from anyone else. I mean, the, 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 I suppose the easy answer would be if you don't, if you make sure you do not affect anybody's free will, you are not going to do something in order to change a trait of theirs, which could be your fate. <laughs> you could be fated to do something to that person in order to bring about something which was fated for them. And if you go, I don't want to mess with their free will, then it won't happen. And then they don't get to become a better person. I think the the way through the the ever don't do free free will spells or whatever it is is fucking talk to people, man. Figure out consent. <laughs> have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you can't have a conversation with them, you're probably in the realm of cursing their ass anyways. <laughs> so you know, just figure out consent, talk to people, have conversations, ask permission, mm. talk things over, uh, be a responsible adult and a responsible witch. Um, the solution to everything is not magic. Magic's nice, mm. it's handy, um, but a lot of times a good conversation will fix a lot of things, including for situations that involve cursing. Um, Obviously, you're not going to have a nice chat over a cup of cocoa with a rapist and convince them that this is not okay. But you might with a coworker who said something that hurt your feelings. Mm. You know, so. But what was the question again? I forgot. <laughs> Wouldn't cursing away a trait be messing with someone's free will? I think if you did it without their consent. Well, if you take a narcissist and you curse that, that narcissistic trait out of them. Yep. I mean, would that be messing with their free will? Did they choose to be a narcissist? Or could that be Maybe considered a generational curse since it's something that's often connected to brain chemistry and genetics? Mm. Did you have a conversation okay. with them and see if they don't want to be a narcissist anymore? I mean... Mm. That's going to work out. No, um, seriously. I, I know people that are diagnosed with NPD who really hate it and don't want to be like that. Mm. They're aware enough. They, they would probably be quite happy, happy to have someone get rid of that for them. But again, that's consent. It's having that conversation. Mm. It's knowing what the person wants. Yeah. Big question. We're going to put that down to yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Craig said, I'm at the two year stage. I need a smaller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you um, get there. You absolutely will. I promise yeah. further down the road, your skills will refine. Um, Roadmaps are pretty good as well. It, it, it just takes time and practice. And we've all yeah, been there. Magical GPS. Yeah, we've all been there. Don't worry. You're not doing anything wrong if you're just plowing things over. You're learning magic. You're on the correct road. Yeah.
the only way you learn is to make mistakes as well so well hopefully listen to other people and not make their mistakes yep but somebody's making mistakes <laughs> somebody's always making mistakes <laughs> uh deborah asks psalms and voodoo is is this true yes definitely true um definitely found a lot a lot, lot more in voodoo as well i think um because it was the the integration that had to happen when the slave traders took the west africans over to the states they weren't allowed to practice their thing so they took the bible and they practiced it a different way um but i can't really speak of that uh craig said yes it's true i practice voodoo okay there you go um candace it's part of the blending of christianity and magic they used christian motives to practice in secret yes there we go and also richard uh okay well everybody's had a discussion about this already so let's just move on shall we <laughs> yeah good I'm, I'm so glad to see everybody chiming in the chat with yep, what they know so awesome yeah uh richard said because of the times when hoodoo voodoo was prevalent in the USA. People practiced under the guise of Christianity. Um, Candace said, Richard, you English better than me. <laughs> okay. Um, Richard, the Haitians mastered DOT with the Saints too. Legba became George and the Red Cross Rose. Yeah. Um, Deborah seems things go back to Egypt a lot. Oh. Yeah, it might be because, I mean, if we think about where humanity originated from, a lot of people say it's from Africa, and then it branched out through Europe and such. Well, um, we have an Egyptian magician in the chat too, Lady Capera, does Egyptian yeah. magic, so... Still here. And there's a lot of, uh, we're talking about biblical magic and that sort of thing. There's a lot of Egypt connection in there, too. And there was that whole high magic revival where they suddenly thought everything went back to Egypt. Whether it did or not. Mm. You know, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, mm. point back there, truthfully, and um, in, the, in a made-up way, also. <laughs> Um, Craig said back to Africa Scarlet Trust curses are life lessons uh, Richard said Lee I told you about this egg theory before as well I'm getting old mate. <laughs> <laughs> forgive us our circumlocutions as we forgive yes. those that you make also <laughs> <laughs> just my excuse I'm getting old my memory is not as good <laughs> Uh. Uh, my daughter keeps shouting at me. I told you that last week. Well, I don't remember. Um, That's why I brought it up. I think you're awesome, but I remembered it. She's yes. not the source. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Scarlet just said, "Free will equals no love spells." Mm. Love spells. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, spells I don't... are all of the topic. <laughs> I, I don't agree with that. A lot of people think love spells means picking out a target and somehow compelling them to love you. And that mm. 
Like, that is not the sum total of love spells. I don't think that's a great idea. It doesn't tend to work out, whether it's because of free will or not, but usually because, you know, consent. Mm. You need consent. Um, but there's plenty when of it... love spells that are things like making yourself more open to love, making yourself see the opportunities, uh, making, okay. yeah, making yourself more attractive, um, defining what you're looking for in a lover or partner or spouse and putting out the call to meet those people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, drawing someone into your life that would be uh, good for you to have a loving relationship with. Uh, there's lots and lots of love spells that do not interfere with free will, if that's a thing. Um, controlling, commanding, compelling, that sort of stuff does. And depending upon the type of magic you do, sometimes that's not only okay, it's expected. Mm. There are um, paths of magic where that is a thing. They do recognize free will and they do recognize dominance over free will as part of the process of magic. Um, there are others that don't recognize free will in uh, the process of magic, that it's not a thing. Fate is the only option. There's a don't think fate has anything to do with it, so if you don't do that kind of magic, then you're never going to get things. So there's a lot of possible answers here, depending upon um, your path and tradition, what you believe about fate and free will, and the culture that you're operating in. And I will again refer you back to the fate versus free will live that we did. <laughs> Before we go all the way down that road again. <laughs> yep. Because it's a huge... We're, like, we're gonna, actually going to have to do that one again, I think, because it is a very, very big topic. Yeah, it's always nice to, to come back and chat about things again, see if we learned something, see if we yeah. just circled around and said the same thing again, because we're old. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, look, it was just a repeat. Um, Scarlet Trist asked, can curses be avoided by group therapy? I'm no. not sure what that means. I'd... I wouldn't think so. I don't know how group therapy would help. No. Um, Maybe Candace... I don't understand. No? Maybe I don't understand uh, what you're asking. Because I think about yeah, I'm it. I'm not sure either. Um, Candace, I need to put someone's grandchild to bed. <laughs> Thank you for the chat. Aren't we all okay. someone's grandchild? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bed now. Thanks very much. <laughs> well, I've always thought about that um, when I've been in circles and people have taken oaths to protect children. It's a very common one I see a lot of people take. And I always think, everyone is someone's child. Mm. Therefore, you are going to be of service to and protect everyone, which I always think is wonderful. Until I remind mm. them of that. And they're like, no, no, I just mean kids. And I'm like, no, that's not what you said. <laughs> I'm a well, kid. Why didn't you stop <laughs> me in the oath? Because I like this one better. <laughs> but... <laughs> um... Oh, Deborah said I did. 
make a mistake not knowing what I was doing. Oh, we all, we do it. We all do it. All yeah, time. we all do it. Well, still do it. Yeah, yeah. If you're not trying, that's the only way to guarantee you won't make mistakes. And so the only way you can guarantee you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah. you can't move forward without trying. You have to make mistakes when you try, and. As much as I, I love to study and read about magic and dig into old grimoires and that sort of thing, that's not the practice of magic. It's the study of magic. And the study supports the practice, and the practice requires study. Um, but you can't just study and be a magician. Mm. You're someone who and studies magic. Magician. Well, that's not a magician, in my opinion. That's someone who studies magic, which... I appreciate. I like to follow people who study magic. I like to read their books. I like to learn from them because they study it. They, but um, it is not the same as being out there trying. And you're gonna make mistakes. And you know, I, I love reading old grimoires because they're they're the perfect place for lots of mistakes. <laughs> Because there's bits left out, and there's stuff mixed up, uh, and there's things you're just supposed to know. And, you know, it's kind of like cooking when uh, you just get a list of ingredients. The Great British Baking Show is one of my, my wonderful guilty pleasures. And I love the technicals, because they're like doing grimoire magic. They just give you a list mm -hmm. of ingredients. Sometimes there's measurements. Sometimes it's just like, make custard. You need to know how to make custard. You need to know how long to bake the sponge. You need to know all of these things. And I find grimoire magic the same way. And if you don't, you're going to try and your souffle won't rise or your sponge will fall apart or whatever. You're going to make mistakes. But that's how you learn. Mm. Yeah. Make the mistake and then correct or mm -hmm. adjust. Adjust and try again, and try again. until you get something yes. where the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Exactly. I think I think a lot of study has to do with practical application as well, because you can study only so much without applying it. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to apply it in order to learn. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Knowledge sits until it is applied and can become wisdom. Very wise words. That's why I study the proverbs, so I can pop mm. them off like that. Because that's. What <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what my teachers did to me when I'd be like, blah, 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 problem, problem, problem. Here's eight words that fix it for you. Okay. <laughs> cool. Great. Going to go meditate on that. Glendy <laughs> uh, said I need to stop doubting my personal power. We all do, as Richard just said. Yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. And like Kai, Kai tells me, um, it's always good to have a healthy amount of doubt. Healthy amount. Healthy amount. Not too much. Not too little. Because mm. mm. if you have too much, you start paralyzing yourself, which is yep. then not good. Yeah. Uh, Richard said mistakes are the best teacher, but you learn the lesson afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you only learn if you keep a good record. So journal. 
<laughs> I've been very good lately. I've been journaling everything. Um, Craig said, in remote viewing, doubt can create success. Okay. I'm confused. I'm going to have to elaborate on that a bit. Yeah. So we'll just sit here and wait. The yeah. pressure's on, Craig. <laughs> the delay on live streaming is interesting. I mean, I love being able to, to talk to everyone and have this conversation, but the delay is weird. And then we go off on a tangent and don't get back to the chat and make that even worse. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We did have a very good chat today. I enjoyed it. Yeah, but we, get, a, we get to all sit around this uh, proverbial magical kitchen table from all around the world. I think it's mm -hmm. it's so cool. There's no way that we could all like meet weekly in person for a chat like this. So we'll accept the the time delay for the thing that's not really a thing anyways, right? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Just more of my weird rambling. What's real anyway? Magic usually. And curses sometimes, if they're not from a scammer. Uh, Greg, there we go. Craig said, the further you are away from com confidence, the better the results. Uh, that's kind of like uh, mm. what, what they say in shamanism about becoming the hollow bone. Yeah, uh, bringing false um, impressions with you. Uh, mm. Trying to, uh, yeah, seeing what you want instead of what's really there. Yeah, emptying yourself. Yeah, being... So you don't influence the results here. Yeah. yeah. Being an open channel with no no junk. Removing lust for um, result. Yeah. Galilea asked, how could I make layers of warts? We did do a protection show, which had quite a lot of information in. Let me just make sure. Yeah, I think we talked about warding in there, but the way I protection and cleansing. The way I do it is just lots of layers. I'll do a ward that does whatever. Uh, let's see. Um, uh -oh. oh, sorry. Hang on. Poof, poof. We switch places. You disappeared. All sorts of things happen. <laughs> sorry, my mouse is doing weird things here. <laughs> running it's away on its own. You need to give it more cheese so it'll behave. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> oh no! Are we still live? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were Sorry, still guys. Live. My, 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 everything just went crazy again. <laughs> so, anyways, wards. Um, I, I'll do a lord, uh, a ward layer that um is like physical safety any no one can cross it that means any physical harm and then the next layer um i will put just outside that and do one that um you know filters out bad energy any sickness and then put another one just outside of that um and you know that uh takes in energy and uh 
transforms it and turns it into stuff to grow the plants in my gardens. But just just layer them up. You can visualize them as like um, matryoshka interlocking dolls so that each one is piled on top of the other. You can go and physically lay down boundaries with your wards and put the next one just a little bit outside and so on and so forth. Um, you can build a representation uh, with clay or wood or string and just keep building on layers. Lots and lots of different ways to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I find that trying to put too many qualifiers on a single ward tends to muddy it up. So my experience is that it's better to add one purpose per thingy. One purpose per ward, per energetic filter, per protection, whatever. You want to call it shield. That's the word I'm looking for. I find it works better for me. But you mm -hmm. may find that it works somehow otherwise. So, uh, you know, practice and keep a journal. Make some mistakes. Figure out what works. See what's effective, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people will do shielding where they, they imagine a shield around them and it's got spikes sticking out of it so mm -hmm. that nothing can actually get, get through. Yeah. Um, whatever the visualization is. Yeah, Galileo said, uh, so I'm pretty good at uh, visualization. Uh, do you think I could ward like that? Because that's the way I do it. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Rev. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Whatever your, whatever your method is. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm just trying to figure out where we were in the chat. Um, Uh, Deborah asked, Rev Kai, may I ask how old you were when you began to practice? Don't know if that's personal. Uh, well, let's see. When I undertook formal training in a coven, I was 16. But I also moved out, got married, and finished college when I was 15. So I was on my own as a legal adult at that point. Well on my own. I was married, uh, but I was working and um, we were maintaining our own household and all of that sort of stuff. I got a weird early start in life. My young life is not the normal. Um, I, I'm aware of that, that my time scale was off and I have not continued that exception that my dame and magister made of teaching a very young person. But I was interested in witchcraft and magic and that sort of thing from the time I was a little kid. You know, I was that five-year-old in the backyard mixing up potions with all the different colors of dirt and dried leaves I could find and smearing weird sigils on the baseboards of the house and then having to wash them off with a hose because <laughs> my parents mm -hmm. didn't like mud smeared on the baseboards of the house. Um, you know, I was always uh, going to the library and finding the the books of magic and uh, checking out the occult section and reading all the history and mythology when I was a kid. Always had that interest. Um, I do have magical practitioners in my family, um, up one side of my family, but they would have never introduced themselves as witches or said they practiced witchcraft, you know, uh, but now we would identify it that way people who could read dreams, uh, people who had knacks for stopping blood, uh, that sort of thing. And so those were part of my family growing up. Um, 
and it was expected that I would have a knack. My grandparents, um, my great-grandmother had prophetic dreams about me before I was born, and that sort of stuff, which was common in my family. So I guess I started fairly young, even though um, I don't consider myself like a hereditary witch, because no one in my family before me would stand up and go, oh, I'm a witch, I practice witchcraft. That wouldn't have been a thing. Mm. I think it's a difficult question to answer, actually, because, I mean, I, I, I was interested in supernatural stuff from a really early age. Twelve years old, I was reading Lobsang Rampa, but I wasn't actually practicing. Yeah. Uh, I can kind of relate that to December of 1995, when I sat down and did my first actual circle. Mm. So it's been. I think the first time I cast a circle was at a sleepover when we were like eight, and I convinced them all to do some spell out of some book I found at the library. <laughs> we gathered up all of her mom's candles, so we had this weird variety of scented candles in the room, and we all got headaches. <laughs> 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 if that was my first practice, I don't know. I've always, you know, always been mm. interested in this sort of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, long before that, I was, I was doing Christos technique on people when I was like 16 years old, and I don't know, there's really a time when you can define it, actually. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Scarlet Trist asks, can you remove a curse made out of anger? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know you, if it you know would mean? be... I don't know that removing a curse is necessarily the right way to put that. Um, because an apology doesn't undo the damage, but you can, you can heal the damage. You can improve things. You can't go back, mm. but you can go from where you are and make it better. Yeah. Um, Galilea said, I'm sorry for all the questions. Please ask questions. Oh, we, we, do not we apologize for questions. questions. Yeah, yeah, ask all the um, questions. But a boundary, can it be keeping my door shut or when someone comes in my room, they have to knock? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sure. People, if you've got privacy, mm -hmm. um, people should knock before they come in your room. Yeah, I mean... You can even create a, a sigil to put on your door that m compels people to knock when they get to it. You know, if you mm. want a magical reinforcer, um, besides like a sign on your door or asking, you know, the people you live with for that. But there, there are no limits to what you can do with magic when it comes to that sort of thing. You just kind of have to kind of sit down and puzzle it through and think about what tools you have. And how you could make that happen. What would be best mm. for you to use in that circumstance? Yeah. Uh, Richard said, Rev Kai seems to have similar childhood habits. I also did a lot of the things you did. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Deborah said, thank you for answering a personal question. Deep respect for you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Galileo, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Pleasure. 
And much respect for you too, Lee. Thank you. Okay, that wasn't directed to me. That was directed to you then. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important. Um, we talk about the real witchcraft. I, I see a lot of people that are witchcraft famous, and especially Instagram and TikTok and that sort of thing, where we only present the good side, you know, and we only present that, um, I'm a successful witch and blah, 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 and I've never had problems, or I came from generations of witches and so on and so forth. And for most of us, I think it's a bit more nuanced than that, you know? Mm. I mean, yeah, I've been at this many, many years and I've worked my craft and I've had uh, the opportunity to spend a lot of time on my craft. I've been able to become a professional reader. A lot of people don't have that opportunity, you know, so I've had that kind of time and, and it's good luck. And because I did magic to do it, and that was one of my goals when I was early on in witchcraft. And um, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of magic on myself to get mm. what I want out of life, to improve my skills, to get better at doing magic. It's been what most of my magic is focused towards. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm amazing and came from, you know, I had, I got dragged to church when I was a kid sometimes by the, the non-magical people side of my family. I still had a great grandfather who would uh, stomp three times outside the church and spit and say he's not going to deal with those people. <laughs> he <laughs> never went into a church <laughs> and stuff like that. Hmm. But, you know, we all have, we all have different things. And that when did you start thing, I think, is one of the hardest things for a lot of people to answer because many of us had childhoods where we were drawn to different cultures, different magical practices. And it... It was a journey, not necessarily, you know, I started college on this day and I graduated college on this day. So. Yeah, that's always an interest, interest before you actually practice. Mm -hmm. um, can you just read, my bloody window's closed again. There was a question about hyssop from Viv. Uh, I read that a bath with hyssop will break curses. I can't tell if I've been cursed, so I do this bath every once in a while. Hyssop is wonderful for mm. cleansing and breaking curses and removing attachments. Yeah, now boil some hyssop tea, get a nice big pot of it. And after you physically cleansed, you know, soap and dirt off, you pour the hyssop over your head and hopefully stand in a tub or something and you wanna catch the water that pours over you because this contains the curse that you've washed off. And then you mm. go out and throw it away at a place of high travel, whether that's a running stream or a busy crossroads, and you go home by a different route so it can't follow you back home. Um, but that hyssop bath cleansing, something I use regularly and recommend to people regularly, of just, you know, this this is good cleansing. This is something you can do. Um, and hyssop is also uh, good for bringing in good luck when it's growing around your home. Rosemary, too. Um, I think that's because once you get those things established, they're there forever, but they're kind of a bit of work to get established. I'm currently mm. babying several very tender little rosemary plants and talking to them very kindly every day and saying, you will grow up and be very strong. <laughs> but yeah. um, 
So hip, hyssop is a very good plant ally to have when it comes to keeping off curses and warding away curses and warding away bad luck and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's usually along in um, um, Hoodoo as well, and which is connected with uh, a psalm. So we come back to the psalms again. Um, it's psalm 51, uh, verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hyssop is very good for breaking curses. Very good. But, and it's always a hyssop bath. It's never a hyssop sachet mm. and it's never a hyssop incense. It's always making it into a bath. Yeah. So. And Galilea asks, can I make a ward out of anger and hatred? So when someone sends evil eye, hex, curse, it will fuel the ward. You can do, but you've got to be well versed in what you're doing, I think. Um, when you're using strong emotions like that, they can kind of, and you, if you can't contain it and direct it to what you actually want to do, it can end up going a bit haywire. I wouldn't make the ward out of anger and hatred. I would make a ward that absorbs whatever hits it and turns it into fuel. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking servitor. What'd you say? I'm thinking servitor. Servitor. Yeah, honestly, mm -hmm. that's how I do that. I use a servitor. Um, I mean, you could, you could charge a ward that it absorbs um, anything fueled by hatred, anything of that wavelength of energy, and that's what it uses to power itself. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily craft it through the process of hatred or through the process of anger or any other strong emotion, really. Um, you want something calculating and nullifying. So, mm. something that... You also have to... I think they also have to come back to the whole, um, I mean, this is going to be something which is around you. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself, do you want that, um, that energy around you yeah. constantly? Yeah. And you, um, one thing to consider, especially when you put wards on a place, wards are usually physically connected to a place and stay in a physical area. Um, you have to pass through it too. Mm. So be mindful that you can do that uh, without consequences you don't want. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Galilea said, uh, so not hatred, but happiness, joy. You know, better energies, put it that way. Yeah, I still wouldn't do it out of a strong energy. Just strong emotion. I, I would be very cold and calculating the opposite of emotion not necessarily the opposite emotion mm. coming in the going. yeah that's just how i do it though that doesn't mean that works for everyone mm. um you know you said you should see me when i smudge my house i think the bad energy is more scared of me than my smudge <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's that meme going around, you know, about the witch who just bangs the pants together. All right, fuckers, get out! And I've 
I have cleansed some haunted houses no. that way before. <laughs> no. I, I think it's that com comparison between somebody going around smudging and bringing love and light and then banging fricky pans and going through the house and getting rid of all the crap. <laughs> Bad fucking energy, get the fuck out of my house right now! <laughs> yeah, I've done that. I've definitely done that. There, There is a skill in being a witch that when you go walking in the dark moonlight, you are the scariest thing in the forest. Mm -hmm. And like Terry Pratchett. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's in Terry Pratchett. But it it's there because it's so true. Yeah. You need to develop that skill to be the bigger, badder, scarier thing. Um, I'll be able to put that on when you need it. Mm. Yeah, it's like putting on a coat. Mm -hmm. All right, I think we're going to bring today to an end because we've been on quite a while. Yeah, we've had a very good conversation today. Thank you all. Yeah. For participating, yeah, this was wonderful. I'm I'm charged up and delighted. We had a really good talk. It was great. Mm. All right. So next week we are going back to the Cochrane letters for one week, and um, we'll be doing the um, now I've forgotten its name. Norman Gills. Yeah, Norman Gill. We're going to do. Was Norman Gills? Yes. Going to do the first letter from Norman Gills, or depending on how many letters we get through. Um. Oh, wait, uh, Galilea said, because I can't use smoke cleanse, I cleanse it with my bell or clean, cleaning it with my vacuum and mop. Yes, no, perfect, because a yeah. lot of people can't, they're allergic to smoke. And yeah. banging pots and pans and sweeping out, using the vacuum, using the mop, um, you know, using some good stuff in your mop water as well. Mm, yeah. All good methods. Yeah, physically. Yeah. Physically cleaning. Um, uh I used to use uh, floor sprinkles. The carpet sprinkles were really popular for a while. And I always just make my own um, with baking soda and whatever herbs I needed and then vacuum that up as part of the cleansing mm. that worked well. And yeah. back when I used to um, do public ritual, I did not use incense or smoke because we were in an enclosed space and that triggered some people's asthma. So I would do the cleansings with a uh, bell. And it worked wonderfully to to tone through and, and you know, get all those vibrations settled and everything settled in the right energy. Mm. So there are lots and lots of ways to cleanse. Um, and sweeping is the oldest and the best, in my opinion, the most reliable. You can always cleanse with a broom. Always. Grab that mm. broom and sweep. Um, it will always get the job done. Yeah. I think there are four ways to cleanse. Smoke, water, um, sweeping. I'll come blank. I must be tired. <laughs> um, oh, sound. There you sound. go. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Um, cleansing a person um, uses all four of those as a combination or one of them. Yeah. Uh, sweeping is usually done with a feather fan or herbs or egg. Um, sound is usually done with bells or drumming, mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's yep. bring the state to it. Good old earth, air, fire, and water. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so as I said, next week we're going to be doing the Cochrane Letters, Norman Gills, and if you haven't checked out the links in the description, if you're not on the Wildwood Temple uh, discussion group on uh, Discord or, you, or Facebook, go join that. And go and check out our supporter groups, Patreon and Kofi. Links are in the link tree, Black Hat chat in the description. Okay. All right. So we'll see you next week. Yeah. Have a fantastic week. Same with your time. Same with your channel. Same. Yep. Same with your kitchen table. <laughs> see uh, you all next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the about section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.